Balls 3. Three minutes ago. Big Balls 3. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gudikin sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40 and he's Trista's height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. And we're off. It's hour two. Virginia's up 14-7 on Maryland. Still see nothing's changed. This is, you know, it's, it's slowed down just a little bit. Army 17-7 over UTSA. They're four-and-a-half-point favorites. Total's back up to 52-and-a-half with that. Utah State and Air Force Big about game. to kick off. Air Force nine-and-a-half-point favorites. That total now moved down slightly a little bit. It's a 45-and-a-half. So uh, we're getting a little, bit, a little bit of Friday college football. Not too much. I ran into, uh, I ran into uh, the guy that's the executive producer for the Nationals. He produces the, the Oh, games. Vic the Brick. Vic the Brick, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Upstairs. Yeah. And uh, he's he's in the mode of end of the season. Oh my God! Thank God, college football's here. Yeah, because he's like 15 games left for the Nationals. I'm I'm tired of. I can being imagine, all man, these games. running the board for 162 Nationals games brutal, has to man. be has to be a tough job this year. It's 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 tough. Listen, I always applaud the people that are on the beat of a bad team, especially oh, like that's baseball. So tough. Yeah, that is so difficult to do. You got to sit there and oh. pretend that you care when you know that team's not going anywhere. At least the Nationals overachieved, and they're a team that. You know, is like young and has like some sort of expectations down the road, but some of these other ones, man, where they're oh, just yeah. bad and you're bad, it's it's just one of the worst things ever. I so. covered uh, Northwestern basketball and football for an entire season. That was that did was you rough. really? That was yeah, rough. that's tough. And that was before they. And, and then the next year, of course, Chris Collins takes them to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history. That would have been a great story. Do you I see the headline down there on the bottom of CBS Sports right now? We're watching the. Utah State game is about to kick off. It said, "Why Kirk Cousins may soon be a trade makes sense as a trade for the Jets." Wow. Yep. Did you see that, or did we that made, just pop in your head? No, I yeah. didn't see it. See, people are starting to think about it. We made that yeah. happen. It could really be the case. We'll Other see. Smart people. Vikings zero and two, but listen, they still certainly have a lot of season left. But you know, once you're zero and three in the NFL, if that's the case. Your season's pretty much done. There, there's not much left. On the other hand here, the Ravens are 1-0. The Bengals lost their first game. Bengals right now, as we head into week two of the NFL season, are the favorites in this one. But I've got to be honest with you guys. I think what we saw from the Ravens is not what we're going to see the rest of the year. But I also feel that same way about the Bengals going into this. Cordell Woodland, 105.7 The Fan, jumps on with us now. So let's let's just look kind of big picture with all that right now. As we head into this game, week two, we got the Bengals, who looked atrocious on offense week one. We got the Ravens week one, who went, uh, Lamar Jackson looks a little bit rusty here. Do you chalk a lot of that up to it just being rust for both of these teams, and specifically the Ravens? Or were there some other red flags that maybe stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of it has definitely got to be some of the week one rust. I mean, not even just for the Bengals and the Ravens. I think you look around the NFL, you, you, we saw some some uncharacteristic, ugly football from some of these teams that we didn't expect to see that from. Um, so I think some of it is week one, but I'm not going to say all of it was. For the Ravens specifically, I do think some of it is just them not being able to play any offensive snaps during the preseason, the only competitive snaps these, these starters got was in the joint practice against the commanders and that was only for two days so I do think some of that 
uh, was rushed, and the offensive line didn't have themselves a, a good day. If anything, that's the most alarming thing for me was the offensive line struggles because now with the injuries to Ronnie Stanley and the injuries to Tyler Lindebaum, that's your all-pro left tackle and I think a Pro Bowl caliber center that are now gone from an offensive line that was struggling even when those guys were on the field. So that's the one thing that's alarming to me, and I think that's the main reason why the Ravens offense really couldn't get into into any type of rhythm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because I was really high on them coming into the season with Todd Munkin obviously taking over for Greg Roman as play caller, but this week they had to work out four offensive linemen. You lose J.K. Dobbins again for the season. So do you think that we see a little bit more of what this offense could look like this week, or do you think it's kind of going to be the same thing until they figure out the offensive line? Because I want to see Lamar push the ball down the field, stay in the pocket, more three wide receiver sets, but he only averaged like four yards per air attempt. Yeah, I mean, I I don't get the sense that they're kind of going to uh, hold back considering what's going on on the offensive line. We spoke yeah. to offensive coordinator Todd Munkin yesterday, and, you know, he talked about the fact that there was too much drag in the offense, and and I just didn't get the vibe from him that he plans to uh, be even more conservative. I I know he wants to kind of push the envelope, and so does Lamar. And in this offense, Lamar has a lot more uh, power, at, so a lot more say so at the line of scrimmage than he has at any point in his professional career. So I know he doesn't want to kind of pull back and and just try to, you know, get what's there. They, they're going to look to push the ball down the field. Zay Flowers had 10 targets on Sunday. A lot of those were kind of just quick bubble screen type of looks. And even Todd Monk, and I asked him yesterday, was at the plan going into the game. He basically let it be known that some of the times that they got the, got the ball was strictly due to broken plays, guys not lining up where they were supposed to. They weren't running the proper play, and Lamar's just throwing it out to him. So I don't anticipate that the offense we saw last week is the true Todd Munkin offense. And if anything, if we want to look for some sort of silver lining, I think that could be a positive for this Ravens team because the Bengals really don't know what to expect, I think, from this group. We do know that they're spreading it out more. We got that. But in terms of how they really want to spread the ball around and who they want to target in this offense, you really didn't get to see it. Mark Andrews didn't play last week. I expect him to play this Mm -hmm. week after being a full participant in practice today. But Odell Beckham didn't get his first catch until the second half. I don't think that'll be the case this week. I think they're going to try to get some of their veteran guys involved early. Well, what do you think about uh, what Todd Munkin wants to do with designed runs for Lamar? Because it's it's was very concerning to see, I think, only two designed runs for him when that's kind of his bread and butter and what makes him so special. Yeah, and then John Harbaugh was asked about that on Monday, and he did say that there were more – quarterback design runs called than what we saw um and a lot of them he did say were a read situation so it's really up to Lamar on whether or not he wants to keep the ball or not if Lamar reads at the DN is kind of waiting for him he you know he, he's going to hand it off and I think that's what happened a lot on Sunday we still got some of those off schedule runs from Lamar you know where he's kind of running for his life uh in the passing game we got some of that but we didn't see a lot of the uh, quarterback design runs where they are intentionally called for Lamar. We didn't get a lot of that. And that's kind of been what they said all, all season is that, you know, they're not going to run it the same way it's been ran here. Lamar's legs are still their best weapon, I believe. Um, I don't think that they truly want to go away from that completely, but I do think they want to give him opportunities to be able to be a passer and still use his mobility 
in, in that case as well. So I'm anticipating as the season goes on, we'll still see Lamar carry the ball, but the quarterback design runs where it's just Lamar, you keep it here and you're going. I don't know if we're going to see so many of those calls. Cordell, what is it about this team and the injuries? Like, I, I just don't understand. Every huh. single year, it's like by week one, half their team is out for the season. I mean, I know they didn't have back-to-back torn ACLs in practice like they did a couple of seasons ago, but, I mean, you're just looking alone, and Ronnie Staley and Tyler Linderbaum out. I mean, two of your best offensive linemen are not going to be there. I mean, that's certainly going to affect the pass game because you're not going to have, well, two of your best offensive linemen just pass-protecting alone. Is there... Like, I don't even know if you have an answer to this, but I remember years ago when they were the Redskins then and they had issues like this and they fired their whole training staff. Is that is there just something mm-hmm. going on in the building with this team? Have they gone through a different training staff? Because it just feels like the Ravens year after year get destroyed by injuries. Yeah, they did move on from uh, athletic head athletic trainer, uh, I'm sorry, head strength and conditioning coach Steve Saunders. Um, and it had, gotten, it had been a situation where I, he had pretty much lost the team. And I don't know if you guys had saw over this offseason, the NFLPA, they had put out a survey that they had conducted with a lot of the players in the league, and the Ravens had got an F- yeah. uh, for strength and conditioning. So that that went, you know, that's kind of a, a stain against Steve Saunders. Now, granted, to their credit, they had already gotten – they had already moved on from him by the time that survey had came out, but you could make the argument that they moved on from him about a year or so too late. Um, that said, they promoted within, <laughs> you know, so they promoted from his staff. So I don't know how different it looks over there. And, you know, some of the players, guys like Rashad Bateman, he has kind of voiced his opinion in the past about, you know, his displeasure, I guess you could call it, with uh, the conditioning programs in Baltimore and, you know, how he may have felt like that may have contributed to, you know, his injury situation in the past but all in all look some of it is just bad luck and i and it's not you know i don't you you ask for an answer i don't think that there really is a true answer because if it was i think the ravens would would try to do it john harbaugh to his credit he has changed a lot of things he's changed what time they practice he's changed how they practice uh he has gone about uh not allowing his starters for the most part to play in the preseason to try to preserve them for the regular season and sure you can make the argument that maybe that's played a factor you know for their first time facing any real contact is in a week one game where it's right where the where their intensity is ratcheted all the way up to twelve at that point. Is that a good idea or should you go out there, play as starters and risk them getting hurt in the preseason like he did when JK Dobbins tore his ACL two preseasons ago. So it's kind of like, you know, they're screwed if they do, screwed if they don't situation and some of it's bad luck and some of it is just hurt guys stay hurt. Yeah, obviously the injuries suck on the offensive side of the ball, but when you look on the defensive side of the ball, Marlon Humphrey's out with a foot injury, and Marcus Williams has mm-hmm. a pec injury, um, You know, trying to figure out if he's going to have surgery. So how do you think they match up against Cincinnati? Because I know that you know Cleveland was able to blitz Joe Burrow, but obviously you want to get natural pressure. You can't really blitz Joe Burrow. So with those injuries in the secondary, how do you think they match up with Cincinnati coming up this weekend? Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a struggle when you look at the secondary matching up against that wide receiver court, which is one of the best wide receiver groups in the NFL. And one of the worst things you can do is play a good team after they're coming off of maybe their worst performance because they're not going to look that bad two weeks in a row. Um, And the Ravens, you know, you mentioned it. No Marlon Humphrey. That's their number one corner. No uh, Marcus Williams, who, who they signed out of free agency last year. This is a guy that's missed 
what, five games, I think, in his first five seasons. And since he's been here with the Ravens, he missed a lot of time last year with the wrist injury, missing time again this year with the Pack. It's, it's, some, it's just unexplainable, to be honest. But I, I do think, all in all, historically, the Ravens have done pretty well against the Bengals since Mike McDonald has taken over as the defensive coordinator. They played them three times last year. Mike McDonald, you said it. You can't really blitz Joe Burrow. Mike McDonald does a great job of getting pressure to the quarterback with four and blanketing the field with coverage everywhere else while still every now and then keeping you on your toes and he will send the blitzer because he has great blitzers like Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. Both of those guys got a sack last week, so he's not going to be shy about blitzing those guys as well as Kyle Hamilton as well. So I, I do think we're going to see moments to where the Bengals wide receiver core gets off because you look at the Ravens' corners, Brandon Stevens, Rockison, Ronald Darby, nothing really scares you over there, especially when you're talking about those guys guarding guys like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd. So it'll be a struggle for sure, but I think the Ravens' philosophy, which they which kind of worked for them last year, to limit the big plays as much as possible, keep everything in front of you, and you have to open field tackle against this team. Given the injury to J.K. Dobbins and kind of the uh... – ambiguity with this offense what player props would you be looking at on the Ravens side to target overs on oh wow so the running everybody wants to know what's going to happen with the Ravens backfield situation and to be honest I'm trying to figure it out I, my best guess would say that Justice Hill is probably the guy that you would want to focus on the most uh, he looked really good this summer had a couple of big runs in the preseason he had a couple of big runs all throughout camp and I think it's a common factor in this Todd Monken offense that I've seen so far uh, this offseason is that the speed running backs, they are the ones that have benefited the most. Um, I've seen guys like uh, Justice Hill pop off big runs, J.K. Dobbins, Keaton Mitchell, who ended up making this team as an undrafted free agent. But on the flip side, some of the power backs like Melvin Gordon and then Owen Wright, who's, uh, who's on the practice squad now, I believe, they kind of struggled in this offense. So I would look for Justice Hill. Uh, if you could find a player prop that maybe Justice Hill gets over 50 yards, I wouldn't be afraid to touch that this week. I, I like Justice Hill's chances to at least pop off one big run to help his case. Uh, I think I think Odell Beckham's going to be involved this week. I don't, I don't anticipate him finishing the game with two catches. I don't anticipate him having to wait until the second half to get his first catch. I think they're going to try to get him involved early. So maybe if you can find something, uh, Odell Beckham, three-plus catches or something like that, I would feel comfortable uh, taking that as well. And with Mark Andrews returning, any Mark Andrews prop you can find, I wouldn't be afraid to smash that either. All right, only got about 30 seconds with this, but we talked about Zay Flowers briefly. 78 yards receiving in the first game. His receiving prop is just 38 and a half yards. I was shocked with that, and I took the over. Do you expect him to have another game similar to where he was week one? I wouldn't necessarily look for him to get 10 targets, mm -hmm. but he is so dangerous after the catch. He can do a lot with little, so he can be that efficient type of receiver. So, yeah, I think over 38 yards would be a safe bet because, again, he's very good at making guys miss in open space. They're going to get him the ball. It may not, it may, he may not have nine catches, but I can see Zay Flowers finishing this game with five catches close to 60 yards. That's perfect. That's music to my ears. Cordell Woodland, 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Really appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, man. Thanks, Cordell. Thanks for having me. I couldn't believe it when I saw 38 and a half. I was like, what? Yeah, they don't know what they're... I mean, it's hard to know what the Ravens are going to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my one concern is the fact that the offensive line is broken, so they're just not going to be able to throw the ball enough. So, all right, we start our look at every Sunday NFL game coming up next. Bet MGM tonight.
place. We'll call it like a season long. That is week one. 